At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. Good morning. Just a little quick question for you. Is, uh, is it me or does it always snow on Saturday night? I'm just, uh, I'm just wondering. It sure, it sure seems that way to me. Well, I want to begin this morning by just uh, kind of taking you on a little trip around the world. I want to take you on a little bit of a journey because there are few places in the entire world that consistently rank as high in the quality of life as a place called Sweden. Sweden is that country that has amazing natural beauty. In doing some research on this, I was a little bit surprised by this fact, but 97% of Sweden is uninhabited. So there's a lot of natural beauty going on. Everybody knows about their stunning architecture and their respected healthcare system. Public transportation system is fantastic. And here might be the best part of all. Everybody, everybody by law gets five weeks of vacation. All of those things lead to a high quality of life in the country of Sweden. So it's so high, in fact, that the Swedes have this phrase that they, that they use to kind of cast a little bit of vision for their, their style of life. And I probably am going to pronounce it wrong, but it's something along the lines of legome. That's this phrase that means not too little, not too much, but just right. Not too little, not too much, but just right. And so cultural bloggers and writers everywhere, anytime you read about Sweden, you will read that this is really kind of the, the foundation of contentment in Sweden. That sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, not too little. We've, we've got enough. We don't... We don't need too much. We want what's just right. But the question that I have as I was reading through all of this is, how much is that? I mean, where is that balance point you get to when you would say, well, I don't have too little and I don't have too much. I have what is just right. What is that? You see, most people I know most people in America would say, whatever it is that I have, it would be really great if I could have just a little bit more. Right? We want just a little bit more. We want a little more cash. We want a little bigger house. We want a nicer and maybe a little bit newer car, don't we? Based upon what I know of our White Lake Church family, most of us sitting here today are kind of right in the middle of that kind of rich, poor spectrum. We're somewhere in there, but we're likely mostly in the middle of that range. So what are we to do when it comes to our consideration and our perspective on the quality of our lives? 
What are we to do? What are we to do when we look at our stuff? When we evaluate our financial resources? Do they truly influence the way we live every single day? The choices that you and I make, are they influenced by our stuff? Or perhaps a better question is this. Does our stuff influence the way we treat and respond to others? Or perhaps there's even a third question. Does our stuff influence and impact our faith journey? Now, I'm guessing that you know where I'm going to go with this because it is Sunday morning and you're sitting in a church and I'm talking about it. So the Bible is going to have something to say for us. And so what I want us to do before we turn to the scriptures is pray. So let's come before our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for bringing us here today. On a beautiful, snowy morning, we are thankful that we can get together as God's people to sing your praises, to acknowledge your truth, and to walk out our journey. Whether we have little or much, we acknowledge that you are our God. We acknowledge today that you are sovereign over all of it. And as our sovereign Lord, we come today and submit our hearts and submit our minds to your word today because your word is true is truth. That's so much for us to learn and to understand on our faith journey. So God, we need eyes to see this truth today. We need ears to hear this truth. And God, we ask for humble hearts before you this morning that your Holy Spirit might speak to us today through your holy word. God, we ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Live the Truth, as you can see behind me, as we examine the letter of James, the epistle of James. Now, what's important for us to remember, and I keep bringing it up, because context does matter when we read the text. It always matters. And so I keep bringing this up to us that remember who James is writing to. James is writing to a group of ethnic Jews who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Ethnic Jews who have trusted in Christ as their savior. Now, because of that faith, they have been persecuted or challenged or faced trials, and so they've been dispersed throughout the region. They're not in kind of one central location. They have been dispersed. And so James is writing to these people. As you can imagine, these are people who some have very little. Some have resources. But you can imagine in that context that whether they are rich, whether they have a lot of cultural influence, wherever it is, they need wisdom to know how to walk it out. So let's see what James has for them today. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1. We are continuing to look at James chapter 1. Today we're going to be looking once again at two segments. Uh, The first segment begins at verse 9, and then we will skip down to verse 27. Here is what James writes. He says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. 
and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now skip down to verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's it. That's our text for today. That is what we are turning to for guidance on the topic of resources. And considering how it is that we are to utilize these resources. Now clearly, James offers some thoughts on how believers should relate to one another in the context of our resources. And so, the way we interact with both poverty, the way we interact with prosperity, truly does in fact matter. That's what James is getting at here. It matters. It is not just some Sunday idea that say, hey, I went to church on Sunday and the pastor talked about that stuff, so I need to think about it right here for an hour. And then Monday comes and Tuesday and you get into the middle of your week and you have no recollection of what this is all about. This is everyday guidance. This is everyday guidance for our lives. And James gives us counsel that you and I can enter into. So let's look together at the beginning of our text today, specifically verse 9. Just that first segment. He says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. James is addressing someone facing the trial of poverty. This is what he means by the lowly brother. This is someone who is both maybe lower in financial status. This is someone who is lower in social status, not necessarily a person of influence. So another way that the author could say this, instead of that brief lowly brother, it could say, let the downtrodden, let the poor, let the man who has no influence whatsoever, let him boast in his exaltation. It's interesting, isn't it? You're telling me that the downtrodden, the lowly, the poor, that guy is supposed to, to boast. What, what does he have to boast about? The lowly brother is to boast. <laughs> You see, the boasting or the exaltation that James is referring to is not some sort of self-serving, attention-seeking, braggadocia. It is actually quite the opposite. James is encouraging the lowly one to boast in the present reality and in the future hope that he has in Jesus Christ. As a person of faith, By God's grace, the man with little to no earthly clout, little or no earthly resources, he is the one who can boast because of what he has 
in Jesus Christ. He can boast in his new status as a follower of Jesus. He can boast of the awakening of his soul that he has experienced since he came to faith in Jesus. And he can boast in the eternal future that he has because of Jesus. Now church, this is why a text like this means so much for you and me today. This isn't just something that James penned to this group of people who were dispersed. This has deep meaning for you and me, where we sit, where we live, where we move, where we have our being. If we are in Christ today, if you walked in those doors and you would say, Pastor, I acknowledge my sin, I have repented of my sin, I've laid it down, I've believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I've believed in the good news I've received his redemptive work on a cross. Then you are in Christ. And you have a present spiritual reality, a present spiritual awakening or experience, and a genuine hope for future glory. And church, this shows us the first important reality that we are going to be looking at today. There's three of them. And the first one is that in Christ, poverty does not define us. If you are in Christ today, then poverty does not define you. Let me put this in practical terms. This means that if you are here this morning... And on the way here, your truck rolled over 200,000 miles. You're not sure if it's going to make it through the winter. But if you're in Christ, you have reason to rejoice. You have reason to rejoice because of Jesus. This means that for those of you who are getting after filing your taxes early because you need the refund... It's not something that, hey, I'd like to get it. You need the refund. You have reason to rejoice if you're in Christ. This means that if your entire wardrobe came from your thrifting endeavors, you have reason to rejoice because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Poverty does not define you. You're in Christ today. Now, practically speaking, this also means as a church, this should influence the way we welcome our brothers and our sisters in faith, even in their lowly state. Maybe they're poor, maybe they're downtrodden, maybe they are struggling, and these are the people who we welcome. It doesn't matter if they have any influence. It doesn't matter if they have any resources to give us. We welcome them because of Christ. And it's in Him that we boast. It's in Christ that we boast. Now let's continue on in our text. Returning with verse 10. We looked at the lowly and now the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. 
His flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Isn't it fascinating that Jesus is not, or I should say that James, is not specifically just addressing the poor as having trials or needing wisdom. He also addresses the rich, the wealthy. He's made that kind of transition here. Those of you who are wealthy and rich and have status, James is hitting it head on. He said, well, why would he do that? Because being rich presents other challenges. Being rich presents other challenges. Now, I'm guessing some of you might say, challenges? <laughs> Sign me up for some of those. I'd like to have those challenges. The truth is, when it comes to matters of faith, the rich do have many things to navigate. Consider verse 10 once again. And the rich in his humiliation. This speaks to the pride and the arrogance that can come with the, with the accumulation of wealth. Look at my stuff. Do you see everything I've earned? <laughs> Clearly all that stuff makes me kind of a big deal. Look at my stuff. James is warning affluent Christ followers to be humble. To be humble. To be mindful of the fact that wealth is fleeting. It comes and it goes. In the next part of that verse, James gives readers a vivid and pretty impressive combination, really. He gives us this picturesque metaphor and a biblical quotation to describe how quickly wealth can dissipate. How quickly it can go away. Like a flower in the grass, wealth will pass away. Again, the exhortation is for believers not to be boastful, not to be prideful about our wealth, to boast not in the things of this world and the things that we can accumulate, but instead boast in our relationship with Jesus Christ, which is eternal. That's what we are to boast in. Before we dismiss James and the part I just read thinking, well, clearly I'm not wealthy He's talking about somebody else. Let me give us a little perspective when it comes to a global view of resources. Okay? You guys with me? 9% of people in the world own a car. 9%. If you have a car, that puts you in the top 10% of wealthy people in the world, okay? That's just one way of looking at it. The world's average annual salary is $18,000. But here's another little tip. One-third of the entire world lives on less than $2 a day. One-third. If your post-tax income this year is $50,000, your income is 6.6 times the median income in the entire world. Those are just numbers. 
There's all kinds of numbers that can show and suggest a variety of things. But the truth is most Americans, when compared with the rest of the world, are very, very wealthy. And to be clear, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not standing behind this pulpit and saying, hey, you can't have that. That's not what I'm saying. But I do want us to have some framework and understand that James is speaking to people who are impoverished and people who have resources, and we need to evaluate our own hearts and to see where we connect. And on a global scale, I think you can see where we connect. And what James is doing is he is challenging believers who have wealth to see our second truth today, that in Christ, prosperity doesn't define us. If you were in faith today, if you were in Christ, prosperity does not define you. Now, practically speaking, here's what I mean. The cost of your ride doesn't define you. The size of your home, it does not define you. The size and the depth of your retirement portfolio does not define you. Now, while most of us don't necessarily think of our identity when we think of these things, at least not kind of casually speaking. Most of us probably don't think of that in the moment, but I want to ask you a serious question. I want you to wrestle with this. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? What would your life look like if all of the things I mentioned in that little rundown, your car, your home, and your retirement, were gone tomorrow? Taken from you. What would it look like if all of what you have, all of your possessions, all the stuff that you have earned passed away like a flower that James pictures? Would it change your sense of security? Would it impact your view of life? Would it impact your faith in Christ? You see, a serious temptation for all who have is to place our security and our trust in those things. And we need to examine our hearts today and recognize that our earthly wealth is here today and it is gone tomorrow. You guys have heard me quote this great American theologian before. His name is Don Henley. He writes these words. He says, you don't see no hearses with luggage racks. Church, we do not take the stuff with us. That's why it is so imperative that we pass it along and that we have God's kingdom purposes in mind when we're talking about our resources. So important. Now here at Woodside, if you've been here for any length of time, you recognize that each Christmas season, each December, we highlight what's coming in as a focus in the coming year. We we cast a vision for what we're going to be emphasizing ministry-wise in the year ahead. Now, oftentimes that can be seen as, well, they're just asking for my hard-earned money. Church, it is much more than that. It's much more than that. Instead, what we want to... 
What we want to do is present with great clarity how the church, how your church is investing in Metro Detroit, investing in 15 church communities in this area. How we are partnering with local agencies, local ministries. I think of Michigan Right to Life and others who are seeking to make a difference in our world. How we can invest in the gospel and sharing the gospel locally but also globally in our short-term mission teams. This is a way that we as a church can place a high value on making spiritual investments and helping all of us to understand the importance of that. Because for all who are in Christ... It is so important for us to recognize that our faith and our security does not rest upon the stuff, the piles of stuff. That's not where our security rests. Our security is firmly anchored upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. (laughs) Friends, Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Is your trust solely upon Him? I hope it is. Now let's skip down to the last portion of today's text. It comes in verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James continues to offer godly wisdom to the displaced believers in that first century context and he does it also to you and to me. What he's doing here in this pretty familiar text, most of us have read this text before at some point or another, and what he's doing in this familiar text is to kind of make this summary statement, something that embodies true, authentic Christianity. What he's doing is he's communicating that your faith should include caring for the overlooked. Your faith practically should love those who are marginalized. That's what authentic Christianity looks like. That's what James is challenging us today. And we can consider this text and then kind of put it upon our own hearts and evaluate, is this true of me? Have I been able to remain unstained from the world? Now, as I read this text, I want to share just a quick story. One of the cool things I get to do as a pastor is to visit and connect with some of our widows. To call, have a conversation, to check up, see how they're doing. Even on the rare occasion in the midst of COVID to be able to stop by and meet in person. I strive to call to connect with them, to hear how they're adjusting. Pray with them. But here's what ends up happening. I get encouraged. I get encouraged because not what I am able to do for them. I get encouraged because what I do is I get to see their godly character. I get to see 
what they have experienced in their lives. I get to listen to their wisdom. I get to see their perspective on the Christian life. And I get a lesson in what it means to be spiritually rooted and unstained by the things of the world. It is so very good and so rich. There's so many things on the calendar of a pastor. I candidly wish there were more times that I could do that. And so if you know of someone in your life who's a widow, spend time with them. Reach out to them. Send a text. Make a phone call. You see, the times that I get to connect show me our third point. It's a beautiful reminder of our third point that in Christ, people are more valuable than possessions. People are more valuable than possessions. You see, because we believe this, because we proclaim this, you and I are called to live out month by month, week after week, day by day, practical faith, authentic Christianity. And this is why Christ followers should regularly and consistently be engaged, be connected in caring for the overlooked and the marginalized. That should be a regular part of our spiritual diet. See, when we live in such a way that we place possessions above people, those made in God's image, we're actually betraying the truth of the gospel. We're betraying the truth of the gospel. Here's what I mean. Jesus, our Lord, came to serve. Jesus loved and served the lonely, the lowly. That included the lame, the lepers, the unclean. He came to love sinners. And he gave himself for the well-being of others. If you were in Christ today, I want to ask you this. Why would you expect your life to be different than that? Why would we expect the ones who follow Jesus to have a completely different experience than our Lord? who came to serve, who came to love the lame, the lepers, the unclean, who sacrificed his own desires for the well-being of others. Church, the mark of a mature believer is the one who puts possessions in their proper place. Whether we have little or whether we have much, we put them in their proper place at the foot of the cross. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.